I will take you from the nations. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. This is David Jones, and you're listening to From Stone to Flesh. Shalom, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of From Stone to Flesh. This is David Jones. Thank you for tuning in. Definitely appreciate you listening and uh, sharing these uh, teachings, and, and hopefully they, they challenge you, hopefully they encourage you, and uh, we all learn to, to get along and learn to work together in the process. It's all good stuff. Well, if you do like these, you want to find a little more information on uh, who I am and uh, the ministry that I'm working with in Brandon, Florida, Ruach Ministries International. You can find us on online. Our main website is ruachonline.com, R-U-A-C-H, online.com. And from there, you can uh, access a lot of different places. You can go to our Facebook page, our Instagram, Twitter uh, a lot of other things. We're also on Amazon Fire uh, right now, so you can find us on Amazon Fire at Ruach Ministries International. Uh, have weekly Torah teachings and things that go up uh, there as well. YouTube channel, a lot of lot of information out there if you uh, wanted to go in and find it. So this week, I want to touch a little bit on a subject um, recently uh, talked about at Ruach. We we're going through the the, the life of Abraham. And we talk about great faith that he had, and and he had to have. He had great faith to follow Yahweh, to to be obedient to him in in the way that he was. But this week we're going to kind of zero in a little bit on Isaac, on Yitzhak. And um, Abraham had had to have faith, but Yitzhak had to have faith as well. You know, think about this. When Yahweh came to Abraham and he says, I want you to take your son and lay him on an altar, um, Abraham could cry out to Yah and, and, and not understand how it's all going to work, but have the faith to do it. But yet when he told Isaac, uh, this is what needs to happen, uh, <laughs> he had to have faith in Yah as well, that this was going to, uh, that, that Yah was going to bring about the promise somehow, some way. So he had to have faith to, to do that as well. And we're also going to talk about the relationship uh, between the life of Yitzhak and the life of Yeshua, because the things that happen through the Torah reveal to us the things that are going to come later. I do believe that the Torah is a very prophetic book. I do believe that it was written with a lot of information that's not just history. And so there's a lot of things that are in the Torah that tell us what had happened, but yet I do believe things that tell us what will happen. So the Torah reveals the heart of the Father. And I do believe it reveals the plan that he had for us. I, I, I even believe it had the plan that he would send uh, Yeshua, his son, to send him and the work that he was going to do. And, and we see that in the story of Isaac. You know, Yeshua, after his death, burial, and resurrection, he met up with the two men on the road to Emmaus. And he says, um, why are you guys looking so down? What's going on? What's happening with you guys? And and they said, what, are you new here? You don't know what's going on? This man uh, who thought was the Messiah, they, they laid him in. The, and so they, they told him. And then it says that Yeshua, he started with the Torah and the prophets. He started with the writings of Moshe and the prophets, and he revealed to them what the Messiah would do. And this is part of the challenge. Can we... Go back to the Torah 
and find what we would call today, you know, the, uh, the, the gospel plan or the plan of salvation or, or any, any of that, however you want to call it. Can we see that story in the Torah? And the answer is yes, because Yeshua revealed the work that he would do from the Torah and the prophets. And, uh, you know, when Yeshua was here, they did not have a New Testament written. So they, they used the Torah and the prophets to explain all that was to be and all that was to happen. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in this broadcast today. I hope that it's a blessing to you. And if it is, uh, please share it. Faith means trust. And so that's uh, when we say we have faith, we trust. But we have to act on that, you know, because faith, we say believe. Hebrew, believe and faith, trust, it's all the same word. So there's an action that goes with that. We believe, therefore we act on what we believe. And that ties in perfect with what we've been studying this week. This week we've been studying about Abraham, right? And so we're going to touch a little bit on Yitzhak. Because if you go through the scripture, you find that Yitzhak is a foreshadow of Yeshua. And Avraham, who, how the father loved his son. And so we're going to go through a few things on this. Now, we're going to have to touch on some things that we did touch on uh, on the Torah portion, just to kind of back up to, to fill in what we're doing for right here. But the point of all this is, guys, the word of Yah is from the beginning to the end. Okay? Um, there's so much of the word we're missing if we just start in Matthew. You know, we're missing the foundation of our faith. We're missing why Yeshua came. We're missing all of these things if we just skip over everything and start in the New Testament or Hadashah. And we do that because we say, well, we're trying to teach the gospel. But guys, the gospel from the beginning. Yeshua, when he was after his death, burial, resurrection, we find he appeared to a couple of guys on the road to Emmaus. And they're talking about themselves, about the things that were happening in Jerusalem, and they're kind of down. And, and Yeshua walks up on them and says, so why the long faces, guys? Why are you down? And they're like, are you new here? Did you not know what's been happening in Jerusalem? And like, he could say, more than you think, you know? But he didn't, okay? And he said, he said well, tell me about it. And so they told him, well, well this is, all this was happening. You know, this guy he was the Messiah and all that, but apparently not, you know, right? So... It says that Yeshua started to talk to them from where? The beginning. He started to talk about the Torah and the prophets and reveal the work of the Messiah from the beginning. And it says, and then he opened their eyes. Then their eyes were open. See, so the thing is, just like it says uh, in the Brihadashah, when we come to Adonai, veil goes away. Because there's a veil over our life. There's a veil covering us. And I, and I, and I submit to you, funny how you use that word, I'm going to say, I submit to you, maybe the veil is there because we're not 100% submitted. Maybe the veil is there because we haven't completely surrendered everything. Maybe we're not ready for that yet. And I'm not saying that as any form of condemnation. I'm just saying, maybe we're not ready for that yet. But yet, if the Father is putting this on our heart and saying, well, I want to see more, well, then guess what? Then it's, we need to turn to Him and say, I want you to lift the veil. And sometimes, He wants us to lift the veil because that's an act of surrender. You know, I'm going to put aside my mindsets. I'm going to put aside the, the things that, that I think I believe. I'm just going to come to the Word. And if we, come, if we do that, we'll see from the very beginning, He revealed Himself. From the very beginning, He revealed His heart. From the very beginning, He revealed His desire to dwell with that which He created. The Gospel is there from the beginning. Okay? So we're going to go through a little bit of this, and you're going to see Isaac as a foreshadow for Yeshua. All right. You ready to get into that? All right, all right. So we've got a few things here. 
So we're going to start with Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. Okay? And he says, there is none like me. Look at verse 10. Declaring the end from what? I'm sorry, declaring the end from when? Not the middle. No, declaring the end from the beginning. Okay? Literally, in Hebrew, reads declaring the end out of the beginning. So literally, from the very beginning, he, he revealed everything, and, and, and it was all being poured out, poured, poured out from the beginning. Okay? So revealing the end from the beginning, from ancient times, the things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. So what Yah has said, his, as his word goes forth, he will establish everything that he said. He will accomplish everything that he set out for. So there's no doubt there. Okay? So what are the things that he set out from the beginning? Well, we know that in the very beginning, uh, man fell, and Yah, Yah worked in a way to bring restoration of that relationship. The thing is, we don't really see how all the Scripture in its entirety is that process of restoration and how it all works together. We think, okay, so Yah wanted to bring restoration and relationship to His people, and He had to wait till Yeshua came to do it. No, we see immediately in the garden how the Father started to bring restoration. Okay, So again, when we go back and we look and we say, Father, reveal to me your heart. We start to see. Like David said, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your Torah. We, we need to, to see that because that reveals. Okay, All right, so the binding of Yitzhak is the most common story we hear regarding Yitzhak. Right? We say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we think Isaac... We think <laughs> the binding of Isaac, right? The test for Abraham. But there's more that's going on here than what we really just see, okay? Because we often talk about, so the binding of Isaac revealed faith that Abraham had. And I agree with you. But let's flip that for a second talk about the faith Isaac had to have. Because as he's walking up the hill, as he's going there, carrying the wood on his back, which, by the way, he wasn't a teenager you look through the events and life events and how things happened, uh, he had to have been as early to mid 30s And he's carrying wood up, up, this, uh, up this hill that he's supposed to go, lay the wood down, and he's supposed to lay his life down on that wood. And he's looking around, he's saying, Dad, we got the wood, we got the fire, are you missing something? And Abraham says, well, son, i got to talk to you about that. <laughs> I want you to lay your life down. Can you imagine how he felt? So he had to have that faith too. He had, to, he had to have that within himself to be, able, to be able to lay his life down. Because he had to be able to, to have that faith in him that Abraham had to have. That, wait a minute, there was a promise. Yah told Abraham, through this son, the son that came from him and Sarah, through this son, the covenant, the promises, and the blessing, all this is going to take place. So now... Everything that God has given you, everything that He's promised you, and you're like, okay, I start to see it. It's starting to take shape. There's, there's things progressing. There's things happening. My son's growing up. This is awesome, right? And I want you to lay it down now. <laughs> Wait a minute, God. Did I hear you right? You said. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but I want you to lay it down now. See, and that, that puts it in a very interesting perspective. Because we talk about Abraham and how he had to leave the, the seat of idolatry for the day, right? He had to leave... The, uh, the idolatrous families, the idolatrous practices. He had to leave idolatry to go to the place that God would show him. And that's awesome. 
But that faith didn't stop there because he not only had to let go of the things that were the past, he had to let go of his, what he thought his plans were to be. But God, you said this is how it's going to happen. And if I do this, I don't see that. How is, how is that going to take place? And Yah says, do you trust me? If I'm the one that gave you the promise, do you not believe that I will fulfill it? Think about that first. But God, it doesn't make sense to me that I lay him on the altar after you said this is the one that the blessing and the sons and these things are going to come through. You trust. See, it gets to a point where you either have to say, well, either God meant what he said or he didn't. Because if something happens here, either God is going to stop something or something is going to happen or God's going to have to resurrect him if he dies. Something has to happen here because God said this is where the promises belong. So are we willing to let go of the way that we think our life should be. That's, that's, that's a big test, isn't it? Because that's what Abraham had to do. He had to let go of his future. He had to let go of the promises that God had given him to say, this is what I'm giving you. And he said, but God, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. That's a hard one for us, isn't it? But that's what he had to do. And so he went and he had to lay his life down. Okay. Now we know the story. We'll go through, we'll go through a little bit of that. But here's the point. Yitzhak is a foreshadow of Yeshua as he would come as Messiah. And I'm not saying Isaac is the Messiah. What I'm saying is in the story of Abraham and Yitzhak, we find the story of the Messiah. Okay? And there's a lot of similarities in there that we're going to see. All right? Starting with this, Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2. So after these things, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, and he answered, here, here I am. The phrase here I am is really, really interesting because he says, Hineni means here I am, which is the same thing that Isaiah said in Isaiah 6. You know, when Isaiah saw the Lord and he said, I am a man of unclean lips, and, and he basically was repentant, and God said, I have cleansed you. And then he says, who am I going to send? Isaiah says, here I am, send me. So Hineni is that here I am, I'm here. It's not telling God what he's going to do. It's not saying anything other than my response to being before Yah is, I'm here. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to put ourselves in the position to where when the Father calls to us, we just say, I'm here. Because that takes faith. Because we don't know what's coming next, right? So he says, here I am. And then he says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Yitzhak, and go to the land of Moriah. There you are to offer him as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will point out to you. Now, interesting. Take your son, your what? Only son. What about Ishmael? You, you look at it in the Hebrew, it's really, really interesting. He said, take your son, Aleph Taf Bincha, your Aleph Taf son. Now we know this Aleph Taf represents what? Something to do with the Messiah, right? So take your Aleph Taf, your Et Bincha, your Aleph Taf son, your only son, Et Yahidcha. Yahidcha is that word they translate for only son, Yahid is the Hebrew word that's used there. Now, it doesn't just mean like only. It means unique. It means in unity. We know this word from a, from a song that's sung a lot. Psalm 133. Yeah, you got it. Yachad. Okay, you know that. Okay, but, but what does yachad mean? Okay, it, it's for brothers to dwell together as one. So it does one mean absolute one, like echad? No, yachad, it means in unity with something. In unity with something. It's one, but it's in unity with something. So what would, what would Isaac be in union with? How about the covenant? 
How about the promise that God gave to Abraham? God gave a promise to Abraham regarding Yitzhak. He didn't give that promise to Abraham regarding Ishmael. So take your son, the one in whom is, is uniquely promised of covenant. Okay? Again, and that shows us something regarding Yeshua too, doesn't it? So take your Aleph Tav son, your Aleph Tav only son, Aleph Tav Yitzhak, et Yitzhak. So again, these are all things that are pointing specifically to something to do with the Messiah, and here we are having it revealed, okay? And then go to the land of Moriah. He didn't say which place. He said go to the land of Moriah, and then offer him in the place that I will show you once you get there, all right? So we know the Aleph Tav, right? Where do we first see the Aleph Tav? Genesis 1.1, back in the very beginning, right? It's Bereshit bara Elohim et Aleph Tav, Hashemayim et Haaretz. So in the very beginning, we know that we see the revealing of the Aleph Tav, which is representing the first and the last, the beginning and the end. As Yeshua said in Revelation, he said, I am, we, we read Alpha Omega, first, last, beginning, end. But again, if he's spe speaking to someone who speaks Hebrew, why would he be speaking Greek? Remember, Shaul, when he saw Yeshua, he specifically said, he spoke to me in Hebrew. Okay, so why would he be speaking that? So again, Alpha Omega in Greek doesn't really mean anything other than it's the first and last letters. But the Aleph Taf is in the scripture over 7,000 times. And they don't translate it like that. So there's something there that they, that they don't quite know what to do with. And they're like, oh, it's just one of the rules of grammar. But it's not. Because it doesn't follow the rules of grammar. Because if it did, there are places where it should be and it's not. And there are places where it shouldn't be and it is. Okay, so, so there's, there's something else that's about that. Okay? So this is revealing something in regard to the Messiah. We read John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. We find that it was that Word in verse 14 that became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? So God tested Avraham. So here's something that, that we need to understand. Does Yah test man? Well, yeah. God will not tempt you, but He will allow you to be tested. Right? Like we read in Deuteronomy 13, we talk about false prophets that arise in your midst. They do signs, wonders, and miracles, and, and then they come to you and say, hey, let's go follow after these other gods. Forget about these other things that you were taught and have been told of regarding the Torah and the Word. Forget all that. Let's go run after these other gods. Let's go run after something else that's not Yahweh. God says, that's a false prophet. He says, don't follow them. But he also says that this testing is being allowed so that you would know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul or not. In other words, so that you would know whether you love God or love the idea of God. Do you know the difference? One is Yahweh, the other is an idol that we make. See? If we follow Him, then we will pursue His Word, keep His Word, walk in His ways. If not, we start creating our own ways that fit our own ideologies and call it God. Okay? So that's a big difference. So God tested Abraham. We find in James 1, 2 through 4. So regard it all joy, my brothers, when you face various kind of temptations, for you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. But let your perseverance do its complete work so that you may be complete and whole, lacking in nothing. So we say we have faith, but we don't really know that we have faith until we get to a place to have it put on the line, right? You could say anything, but when push comes to shove, do you really believe it, right? Like you could say, I mean, <laughs> well, I don't know if I should go there or not, you know? <laughs> I was, I'm thinking military and foxholes, you know? Yeah. Yep, I'm going to stand with your brother and I'm going to fight till you get in the foxhole. You find out how many people are going to jump and run, you know? Genesis 22, 4. 
So they go, and he's going, to, he's going to go to this land. He's going to offer a son. It says that in the third day, he lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place in the distance. That's really interesting. There's that third day thing again, right? How many places do we talk about things regarding the third day? I mean, even, even in the Exodus, when it says that they're to come out of the wilderness, they're to go, or to come out of Mitzrayim in Egypt, they're to go how many days into the wilderness? Three days. To what, to what end? To worship. So they were supposed to go three days into the wilderness to go worship Yahweh. Because in three days, Yah was going to be revealed to them at, at a place. Okay, Think of Yeshua. How many days was he in the grave? Three days. After three days, he revealed himself, right? Okay, so there's a few things we're looking at there. Hoshea, Hoshea 6, 1 through 3. says, Come, let us return to Adonai, for he is torn and he will heal us. He has struck and he will bind our wounds. After two days, he will revive us and what? On the third day, he will raise us up. We will live in his presence. So there's that. On the third day, he will raise us up. It says, Let us know. Let us strive to know Adonai. Look at this, that he will come is as certain as the morning, and that he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rains that water the earth. So here we have something talking about, so after the second day, he's going to revive us, and the third day, we will rise to live in his presence, and he is coming. Notice this, he's saying his resurrection and his coming is all together here. Okay, so he is coming, and he's certain that his coming is just as certain as the sun came up. Uh, Did the sun come up? Yeah. <laughs> so his coming is just as certain as the sun and its rising. All right. So he says, go to the land of Moriah. When you find, say go to the land of Moriah, it's very similar phrasing for Abraham because he says, lech lecha. Where do we hear lech lecha? Back to chapter 12. Right? Genesis chapter 12. And when, when Yah first called Abraham out, he says, now, uh, Yahweh says to Avram, go. That's lech lecha. Go for yourself. Go. So when he says lech lecha, that should kind of strike a chord with Avram. It should remind him of when Yah called him out, and then him calling him here is going to have something to do with when he called him then. So when he calls him out, this is going to have something to do with the purpose of why he called him before. So he called him out, and now we find uh, still continuing and working in faith. So he says lech lecha el eretz amoriah. Go toward to Eretz is the land of Moriah. Now, he didn't just say Mount Moriah. He said go to the area, the land of Moriah. And when he goes there, it's interesting because in the direction of where he called him and the direction of where he went, there's only one way to go. So when he went, as he started to approach the area, the land of Moriah, guys, it's Jerusalem. So it was the land of Moriah, when he went over the mountains, the direction he was coming, if you go and you look over Jerusalem, I've stood there. If you go and you look over Jerusalem, in the valleys around Jerusalem, they form the letter Sheen. Why is that important? Remember when Yah told Abraham, I am El Shaddai. Shaddai, the letter Sheen, it's the place where he placed his name. He says, why, why would he know when he looked up and he saw the place that this is the place? Because when he approached, he saw the mark of God in the place. He saw that is where El Shaddai said he is strong. He is strong. He is mighty. And by looking right here, he's reminding me right there. He said he's going to hold his promise. He said he's going to keep his word. Yah will see to everything that he has declared. He is El Shaddai. He is the mighty one. Okay. 
So as he's approaching, he sees the sheen in the letters. And then he says to the men that are with him, all right, guys, this is the place. I and the boy are going to go there and lay his life down and we'll return. He says we're going to go worship. If you haven't figured it out yet, worship is an act of laying your life down. So he says, I and the, I and the boy, we're going to go and we're going to go worship and we will return. How could he have that kind of faith? Again, think about it. Yeshua laid his, laid his life down in a, in a land of Moriah and he returned. Again, it's a, it's a foreshadow. So he says, I and the boy will go there and worship and return to you. Now the interesting thing, and we'll, we'll touch more on this in a minute, the interesting thing is we read where they went, they worshiped, we read what happened there, God provided, but yet we do, don't read that, so Abraham and Isaac both came down the mountain and met these two men again. We don't read that. Now, they had to have, but we're not told that. And I think the reason why we're not told that is to reveal something else that's going to happen. Okay? We'll get to that. says we will go we will worship and we will return james 2 20 says the foolish fellow do you want to be shown that faith apart from actions is barren he didn't say faith is barren he didn't say actually he said faith without action is barren faith without works is dead so you can say you have faith but unless you act on that faith you're not producing fruit verse 21 so wasn't abraham avinu abraham our father declared righteous because of what actions when he offered up his son Yitzhak on the altar. So you see that his faith worked with his actions, and by his actions, faith was made complete. Verse 23. And the passage of the Tanakh was fulfilled with said, Abraham had faith in God, and it was credited to his account as righteousness. He was even called God's friend. So you see, a person is declared righteous. Notice, declared righteous, right? A person is declared righteous because of actions, and not because of faith alone. So a person is declared righteous. He didn't say, so you do something, so you are righteous. No, he says that when we're doing what God is telling us to do, we're working in his righteousness because we're doing what he said. And that's what he said is righteous. It's not ours. It's his, right? So we, we, we operate in faith, so we do, and that's where the righteous. So the binding of, of Isaac is what's called the Akedah. Okay, in Hebrew, the Akedah. Genesis 22.9. So they came to the place that God had told them about, and Avraham built the altar. Now again, we see these again. The Aleph Taf Hamizbeach. Et Hamizbeach. He built the Aleph Taf altar. It's the place where the offering was, was to go. And there he set Et Ha'etzim, the Aleph Taf, wood in order. So he set the wood in order, and then he bound Aleph Taf Itzak and put him on the wood. Think about what, what can we really see happen. The binding of Isaac. The word there for used is akod or akad. And the interesting thing is this word in this tense is only used one time in the Tanakh. Once. Now, if God is saying something and he wants to make a point, we find a lot of times he does repeat himself, right? Kind of like you as a parent, you talk to your kid, you repeat yourself, right? How many times did Yeshua repeat himself, right? So... When he says something, and he only says it once, should that get our attention as well? So he says, and only why? Because it only happens. It's related to other things that are going on. 
But when, when Yeshua laid his life down, it happened. It didn't need to happen. So when you bind like this for a sacrifice, it binds the hands and the feet with the rope. When they, when they laid something on the altar, they would bind it to the altar. You know, because if you laid an animal on the altar, what would it try to do? Yeah, it would try to get down. You know, so they bound. So the word akod means ringed or striped. So the story of the akeda is not so much about the, the altar as it is the, the marks that are left on his body as a result. What did Thomas say he wanted to see with Yeshua? He wanted to see the marks because Yeshua was left with scars. He was left with the marks of what had happened. And again, the akeda is the story of the marks left on Isaac's body. The, another interesting thing is the, the a word that's used here is, is used in reference to Jacob's sheep and only about Jacob. So what's that got to do with Abraham? What's that got to do with Isaac? What's that got to do with Yeshua? Because we know who Jacob's sheep are. We know that Jacob's sheep, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob had the 12 sons, right? It's Jacob's flock, those that are in the care of Jacob. Guys, I'm telling you, it's Israel. <laughs> okay? Look at this, Genesis 30. It says, I will pass through all the flock that day, removing the speckled and the spotted cattle and all the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and the speckled among the goats. All of such shall be my hire. Remember that? When, when Yaakov and his father-in-law, they were, they, they, he was getting ready to leave, and his father-in-law said, wait, God is blessing me because you're here. I want to keep that. So tell me what you want, and, and I'll give it to you for working for me. He goes, tell you what, I don't want anything from you. But as I continue to do this, I'll take the ones you don't want. Think about that for a minute. I'll take the ones you reject. Because you only want the ones that look great, that, are, that are, are just the super fluffy and the bright and everything that you can get top dollar for. All these other ones that are striped and ring-striped and speckled and spotted and the brown ones, you're not going to get top dollar for. I'll take those. Again, I, I, just to put it out there, guys, isn't that us? Those that the world has rejected, Yeshua came for? So it says, so shall my righteousness answer for me in the time to come when it shall come for my hire. Everyone that is not speckled or spotted among the goats or the brown among the sheep shall be counted stolen with me. And Levan said, behold, I would it might be according to your word. So he removed that day the goats that were ring straked and spotted and all the she goats that were speckled and spotted and everyone that had some white in it and all the brown among the sheep and gave them. Okay, so and, and you know the story if you go on. So as, as the time progressed, as Laban tried to change his wages, well, wait a minute, I, I know we said that this was the deal, but how, now how, they're all producing spotted sheep now. So I'll take the spotted sheep. And then they all started producing, you know, plaid sheep. You know? <laughs> okay, I'm exaggerating. But you get the point. Every time that he changed it, Yahweh changed it. Okay? And that's how everything was transferred back. So he removed that day the goats that were ring straight. The word is akod. Akod. Now the word akod was used, it was the binding of Yitzhak, but the word akod means those that were striped. It's used seven times in the Tanakh, and every time it's used, it's only used in reference to Jacob's sheep. So again, the tying together of why did Yeshua lay his life down? He laid his life down for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So there is a connection. So we see the marks that are left on the body. The story of the marks left on, on Yitzhak's body, the marks left on the hands and feet of Yeshua, same, same thing. Marks that were left also will affect those who were descended from the promise. In other words, there was evidence that was seen as a result of, okay? How about this? You are marked. You are marked. Inasmuch as you are partakers of the covenant and promises that were given beforehand. The covenant and promises that you have are ones that was given to you from before. 
God, ex- God made covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and He extends that covenant to all who will come to Him. Galatians 3.29, right? So we find a lot of similarities between the story of Yitzhak and the life of Yeshua, especially in the binding of Yitzhak, right? But we find a lot of similarities, okay? Put your hats on, we're going to go quick. There's a lot of Scripture here, all right? Both Yitzhak and Yeshua were promised sons. They were both sons of promise. Yitzhak in Genesis 18.10 when he says, surely I will return to you according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it, the tent door, which was behind him. So he says, literally, he says, so I will come at the Moed, at the appointed time next year. So I will come at the Moed and you will have, you will have a son. Wow. Again, Moed and a, pro, a son that's promised coming forward. There's something to that, right? So Yeshua in Isaiah 7:14. therefore... The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So they were both sons of promise that were foretold, right? Okay. Both were called the only begotten son. Both were called the only begotten son. Genesis 22, 2, take your son, your only son, Isaac. John 3, 16, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Interesting thing about this, we often say, so God so loved the world, that's like all the people in the world, which, okay, I would agree with you, I do, but that's not really what it says. Now, who's picking up stones? Because the word there, for God so loved the world, that word that's used there for world is not world or people. It's cosmos, cosmos. So literally, this would be, for God so loved everything in the perfect order and the way that he created everything. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Read this way, it puts a turn of restoration back to the very beginning and the promises he made back in the very beginning. Again, there is a, con- there is a restoration. Both were announced beforehand by God to their mothers, and both mothers said, what? <laughs> right? Wouldn't you? I mean, Sarah was 90 when she had him, right? <laughs> Genesis 18, 12, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? Are you kidding? I'm almost 90. Have a kid? Right? Luke 1.34, then Mary said to the angel, how shall I know? Saying, I haven't known a man. So it was both announced, you're going to have a son. And they were both like, huh? Right? Both were born miraculously. This is 18.11. Now Avram and Sarah were old and well stricken in age and ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Literally, guys, she was not of childbearing age. Her body wasn't functioning that way anymore. But God restored her. She, she had Isaac. There's some Midrash out there that says that they had other sons through Sarah. Because when God restored her, he restored her and kind of like jump-started her. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Wow. Think about it though, guys. Because Abraham had other sons. He had other children. Scripture records that he had other children. Matthew 1.18, Now the birth of Yeshua was on this wise, as when the mother Mary was espoused to Yosef. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Ruach. Both were born at the appointed time. At the appointed time, at the right time, he came forward. Not, but not too early, not too late. At the right time, he came. Again, for Sarah, he conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time that God had spoken. We find regarding Yeshua in Galatians 4.4, 4, when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son. So at the right time, God sent forth. It's amazing too, because if you read about how the world functioned, everything operated, even how the Romans built and how the cities were built, and I mean, everything about it, it was the right time for it. There's no mistakes involved. So both were given their names before they were born. Before they were even conceived, they had their name. And it wasn't just, oh, someday when I have a kid, I'm going to name him whatever. 
It was saying, literally, this is what you're going to name him, right? Genesis 17, 19, God told Sarah, um, God said, Sarah, your wife shall bear a son. Indeed, you shall call his name Yitzhak. Look at this. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So the covenant is an everlasting covenant established. Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov. That's why we can say we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If someone has a problem saying that's the God that they serve, I question the God. That Matthew 121. And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name, what? Yeshua. He shall save his people from their sins. Both were the beloved son of their father. We already saw Genesis 22 too, right? Take your son, your only son, Yitzhak, whom you love. Yeshua in John 5.20 says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you marvel. The Father loved his Son. The interesting thing is this. The word love in Scripture does not appear at all anywhere until Genesis 22.2 when it says, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, who you love. That's the very first time the word love is used in Scripture. Think about this for a second. The very first time the word love is used in Scripture is in, is in relationship of the Father loving His Son. Why is that important? We see the same thing with our Heavenly Father loving His Son. First time it's used in Genesis 20, uh, 22 too. He said, take your son, your only son, Yitzhak, whom you love. Matthew three seventeen of Yeshua, He says, this is my son whom I what? Whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The second time the Hebrew word for love is used, so the first time, it's relationship of the father loving his son. The second time it's used is in relationship of the son loving his bride. How fitting is that? In Genesis 24, 67. So Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah. He married her and he became his, uh, she became his wife and he loved. Ephesians 5, 25 says, Husbands, love your wife just as the Messiah loved the body. And he gave himself up for it. So the idea of, the, of love, when we say love, we, we see the expression of the father loving his son so much. And then we see the son loving his bride so much. That's the picture, very first picture of love we get in Scripture. Interesting, because didn't he say he loves you? Both were obedient even to death. Both were obedient even to death. Genesis 22.9 So they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built the altar, laid the wood in order, and bound Yitzhak his son, and laid him on the altar on the wood. He was ready. He was obedient even to the place of laying his life down. Think about this. Do you think that Isaac could have taken the old man? I mean, Abraham had him when he was 100. Isaac's at about 30 now. Philippians 2.8 And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the... Do you think for a second Yeshua could have said, alright guys, that's enough of that. And with one word, could have had a host of angels come down and slaughter the Roman army? He laid his life. That's where we find people hating people because, you know, they killed. Yeshua said, no man takes my life. I lay it down. There's no room for hate there. They both took a donkey to the place of sacrifice. Genesis 22.3, Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled the donkey, he took two of his young men with him, together with Yitzhak, his son, and he cut the wood for the offering. Okay, so he went. They both took a donkey. Matthew 21.2-11, you read 2-11, but 2 says, so with these instructions, go to the village uh, ahead of you and you will immediately find a donkey tethered there with its colt, untie them and bring them to me. They both took a donkey into the place where they would end up laying their life down. Two men went with them. Genesis 22.3, Abraham got up in the morning, saddled the donkey and took two young men with him. What about Yeshua? Mark 15.27, Luke 23.32 and 33. 
The soldiers also nailed two criminals on crosses, one to the right side, one to the left. The two criminals were led out to be put to death with Yeshua. The soldiers came and called the place the skull. They nailed Yeshua, and then they also nailed the two, the two criminals on either side. So they're both seen as they're preparing to lay, them life down, lay their life down. They're both seen with two men standing there with them. How long was the journey? Three days journey. This is 22.4. Three days later, Abraham looked off in the distance and he saw the place. It was a long journey. It took three days to get to the place. Luke 24, 13, to 13 through 23, really, but verses 21 through 23. So he had hoped that he would be the one uh, to set Israel free, but it has already been three days since all this happened. Some women, some women in our group surprised us. They had gone to the tomb early in the morning. They did not find the body of Yeshua. They came back saying that they had seen the visions of the angels and told them he is alive. Three days. The son carried the wood on his back up the hill. Genesis 22.6, we find this. Yitzhak put the, Abraham put the wood on Yitzhak's shoulder. John 19.17. And he carried his cross to the place known as the skull in Aramaic. Golgotha. Carry it on his back. You carry it on your back. How are you going to carry it? He says, God will provide himself the lamb. Genesis 22.8, now, now look at this. We, we read this, so God will provide for himself the lamb, right? You know, that's not the way it reads. In Hebrew, it literally reads, God will provide himself the lamb. That's a little different, isn't it? It's not, God will just make a way somehow. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, God will provide self. He's saying, God is the one who's going to this happen. God is the one who's actually going to do it. And how could he say something like that? Because back to the covenant, who's the ones who walk between the pieces? John 1.29, the next day John saw Yeshua coming and he said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The son was offered on the wood that he carried. I know it sounds kind of redundant, but it is a different thing. He carried the wood and he was put on it, right? The fulfillment of it. Genesis 22.9, speaking for Yitzhak, and Luke 23.33. When they came to the place, they nailed him to the stake. Okay? So again, he was put on the wood. The ram that was provided was entangled in thorns. Genesis 22:13. He looked behind and caught in the bushes by its horns was the ram. He was caught and tangled up in thorns, caught by its head in the thorns. John 19:2. The soldiers twisted together what? The thorn branches and they placed the crown. They didn't just like place it. The lamb's blood was shed on the mountain. The blood of Yeshua was shed on the mountain. Genesis 22.8, Abraham replied, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering of my son. And they both went on. John 19.34, one of the soldiers stabbed the side with a spear at once. Blood and water. The knife with Abraham, the sword by the Roman soldier. They were both there. Abraham put out his hand. He took the knife to kill his son. John 19.34, one of the soldiers stabbed the side with a spear at once. The blood and the water flowed out. The seed that was promised was to be multiplied. It wasn't just one person that was it. The seed that was promised was going to be multiplied. Genesis 22:17. I will most certainly bless you, and I will most certainly increase your descendants to as many as there are stars in the sky or grains of sand on the seashore. Your descendants will possess the cities of their enemies. John 1:12 and Isaiah 53:10. But as to many as did receive him, do those who put their trust in his person and power, he gave the right to become the children of God. Isaiah 53.10 says, The Lord decided his servant would suffer as a sacrifice to take away the sin of the guilt of others. So now the servant will live to see his own descendants. He did everything that Yahweh did. So with other words, you're joined with, joint heirs, partakers of covenant with. Abraham came down from the mountain. Isaac is not mentioned as coming down the mountain. Genesis 22.9. So Abraham returned to his young man. It doesn't say, so they returned. Again, could be a shadow of him, him disappearing for a while. 
right? Luke 23, 46. When Yeshua cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit the spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. I submit to you, it's the picture, the shadow of him dying. Both were made alive from that which was dead. Romans 4, 19 says, So being not weak in faith, Abraham considered not his own body now dead. It doesn't mean dead. It meant his body wasn't functioning in a way to produce heirs. But God restored them, right? So uh, he, was, he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Revelation 1.18 says, I am he that, what? Lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. The keys to hell and death. Isaac rose from the altar. Yeshua rose from the grave. He laid his life down, but he came up out of it. 22.13, Abraham lifted up and he cried. says, Behold, uh, the, the ram caught in the thicket by horns. Abraham went and he took the ram and offered that. So Yitzhak came up off that altar. Luke 23.46, when Yeshua cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. But three days later, what did he do? He, came, he went to the grave. He rose. Both were heirs of all things given from their father. Genesis 25.5. So Abraham gave all he had to who? Isaac. The interesting thing is, it says, but to his other children he gave gifts. Isn't it interesting? Here's a, here's a very unique question. If he gave everything he had to Isaac, how would he have anything left over to give to his other kids? Anything to give to his other kids. Because he gave all to Isaac. So the question is, what is all? All is what he considered his everything, his covenant, the promises, the blessing, the life that was to follow. He, he gave that, acknowledged that, worked with that through Isaac. To his other children, they got their inheritance. He got the blessing. Hebrews 1-2. So having these last days spoken unto us by a son whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made all the worlds. Yeshua is the heir of specially relationship with covenant. Both were presented with the bride that they love. Genesis 24, 4, to go, go into uh, my country, to my kindred, take a wife to my son Yitzhak. And, I, and uh, Yitzhak brought her to his mother's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. Ephesians 5, 25, husbands, love your wives even as Messiah loved the church. He loved the body and gave himself for it. They were both presented with the bride that they, the servant got the bride for the son. Eliezer, what does Eliezer mean? El, God, Ezer is help, so God is help. So it's the helper for God. Who is the helper, the comforter, the Ruach? So it is the bride that is gathered by the Ruach for the Son. We find that in Genesis 24, 1 through 4, and Ephesians 5, 22 through 32, and Revelation 21, 2 and 9. So back to Genesis 24, 1 and 4. So Abraham was old, well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things, and he said to his eldest servant of his house, which was Eliezer. So he, so he has to go and to get a bride for his son, his only son whom he loves. Ephesians 5, 24 through 27, Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their husbands. Husbands, what? Love your wives. Even as the Messiah loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, that's the emphasis of this. The emphasis of this is husbands, love your wives and lay your life down for her. You handle her like the, like the Messiah handles his bride. That'll con and if it don't, come talk to me. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, 
not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, be holy and without blemish. Revelation 21.2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God and out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, verse 9, which had the seven veils full of the seven last plagues, and talking to me, saying, Come hither, and I will show you the bride, Jim's wife. The bride was a beautiful virgin. She was beautiful. Genesis 24.16, so the damsel was very fair to look upon, and a virgin, neither had any man known her, and she went, uh, she went down to the well and filled the pitcher and came up. She was beautiful, and she was pure. 2 Corinthians 11.2, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Messiah. The servant offered gifts to the bride. Genesis 24.10, So the servant took the ten camels, the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose, and he went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. So now concerning the spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. The, 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 the Ruach, the helper of Yah, gave gifts to the bride. Huh. The father, Abraham, gave all he had to his son. This is 25, 5 and 6. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but to the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts, and he sent them away from Yitzhak while yet he lived eastward unto the east coast. Matthew 28, 18, Yeshua came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven. All authority is given to Yeshua. And Yeshua has said, The things that the Father has given to him, just as the Father sent me, so I send you. Just as the things that the Father has given me, he gives to you. Just as the call was on him, he sends to you. The question is, will we receive it? Will we learn to walk in it? Can we see... Can we possibly at all see the gospel in the Torah? <laughs> yeah, and then some. His word is his word from the beginning to the end. The story of, a lo of the love that Yahweh has for you and wants to bring you to himself, it's in the very beginning. And guys, it's still here. It's still today. And the time yet to be, it's still there. And when time ceases to be, let's receive it. Amen. Let's learn to see, his eye, to see with his eyes when we look at his word. Let's learn to, to see when we look at each other, to see how He views it. So that when we approach things of life, when we approach the Word, when we approach one another, let's do it with each other. Amen?